You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with none other than Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. Yeah, buddy. Here we are. We're ready to do the damn thing. We're talking about Jessica O. Matthews. Don't forget the O. That is critical. I had a lot of fun with her, and re-watching this episode, I was re-blown away by how incredible she is. She is a ball of energy. She is super bright and very accomplished. Jessica O. Matthews, the real life Riri Williams. Riri Williams, indeed. Yeah, yeah she. Um, the parallels are uncanny. It is a little freaky, to yeah. be honest. So, energy company. Do people know who Riri Williams is? I don't think so. Too? I don't think so. So she is. So Riri Williams, for those of you who don't know, is um, in the Marvel universe. Um, I think it's in the Civil War universe, though. I won't swear to that, but I think so. Um, Tony Stark, Iron Man, has been injured. I think he's like in the hospital or something. And so a um, young African-American woman who is also an engineer steps into his shoes and has her own Iron Woman uh, outfit, I guess you would say. And so as I was researching Jessica Matthews, I realized that she had gone for Halloween one year as Riri Williams. And I thought that was pretty badass. That's awesome. So had to give that shout out in the intro, uh, which I love. And obviously, we ended up going into a little bit of detail about um, comics and how they had, you know, had an impact on her. And I think everybody at this point knows my fetish with comic books and mm-hmm. um, was just at South by Southwest and spent literally um, half the time that I was there talking about the power of mythology and comic books and explaining to people why we were doing what we're doing. It was a lot of fun. So very appropriate place to meet our girl, Jessica O'Matthews. Awesome. Well, I want to welcome the Facebook Live audience here. We're doing this live every week, as you know. Some of you may be hearing this on our podcast. Some of you may be watching it on YouTube, but we're also doing it live. So you can join us here every Wednesday after the episode and uh, get involved in the discussion. This is where we go deep on the episode. Um, Another thing that I I wanted to to bring into this episode is I was looking at some of the comments on the YouTube Mm. um, page where we launched the episode and... uh, it's fun to see what is kind of resonating with people and what they're pulling away. So I wanted to read a couple of the comments. Nice. Um, so one is, let's see, this is from Chris Berry. He says, I loved when she discussed limiting her research so that she leaves room for creativity and wonder. This is wisdom that is probably not universal, universally applicable, but definitely in her role and with her goals. It makes so much sense. And that's awesome. And we're going to talk about that in nice. this episode. too. Yeah, yeah, I, I had hoped. Um, here's another one we have from uh, Trey. He says... Trey uh, Songs? I don't think so. Oh, man. They're there for a second. What's up, Trey? Uh, man, thank you for, for the definition. Start with why you get up and recruit people for your solution. There are too many problems for one company to solve. Facilitating purpose! Exclamation point. Mm. That's cool. All right. So we're going to jump into it. First, I want to uh, let everyone know that we'll be giving away a 10-minute chat with Tom Bilyeu. 10-minute Skype call yeah, uh, in this episode of Facebook Live. So you can share the live feed 
and uh, be entered to win that. And uh, some point at the end of today, we'll go through and, and look at who shared it, and we'll, we'll give that away. We'll nice. pick a winner. Nice. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's get on that call. So share, share, share. Cool. All right. The first thing I want to talk about is um, Jessica's history as an entrepreneur. So she started off by inventing the socket. Yeah. Um, and then she founded Uncharted Play. And um, you you dug into her background and her um, you researched her thoroughly for the episode. But, um, you know, she had to kind of pivot from creating that one product into creating a technology company that was mm-hmm. um, working on the sort of uh, the technology behind the product and how can we build this out into a larger um, ecosystem that's going to uh, affect more people. So I want to talk about when, when to know um, or how to know when to pivot and, and how, do you, how do you become self-aware about that? Yeah, so she talked about this in the episode and it was one of the things that um, I actually found really interesting about her is understanding um, how to use the marketplace to tell you what to do. And that at the end of the day, everybody's got to steer by the market. Um, and if what you're doing is resonating with people, then they're going to be paying for something. And if it's not, then they won't. And really having the sobriety to say, okay, I really want to do this, but the market is telling me that it's not bringing enough value to pay for. And it's a very sobering reality to face when you're in business that um, just because you love something, just because you really think something is great, and you may actually have a great product, but if the marketplace isn't ready for it, the marketplace isn't interested in it, you know, the marketplace just isn't willing to pay for it, um, then you've got to change something. And sometimes it's changing your marketing, but more often than not, it's changing your product. And so, and I think that's really um, exactly what she was doing is using the marketplace to know um, when is it time to pivot. And so looking at what they had done with the socket and seeing that it, it had an, an upper edge potential, right? So it was um, primarily aimed at third world countries, places that didn't have a stable power grid and to really get great at building the soccer ball technology and incorporating the two things so that it wasn't breaking. Cause I think that there were some struggles with that, like to make a great soccer ball and make a great energy storage uh, generation and storage device. Like they couldn't really do both. And so they were going to have to ask people to change behavior instead of leveraging it. You've heard me talk about that a thousand times. And I think they understood that what they really, really wanted to get great at was building the infrastructure of the um, the chips that were or the devices that were generating and storing the energy. And so they thought, OK, let's go deep down that path and then let's partner with people. And that just makes you sort of by nature an OEM play. And I forget what OEM stands for. Um, it's like original equipment manufacturer maybe that may be exactly what it stands for but it's basically people that make the technology that other people put into their end product and so i think she just you know looked into the future and said all right if this is going to scale i have to go beyond the socket which was a soccer ball i have to go beyond the jump rope um also which generated energy from kinetic energy um and just saw that am i ever really going to try and compete with the manufacturers of that And, and she could see that there was such a huge opportunity to partner with people And so it's just turning to the market. And I think that's really what people need to do. And also like my fetish is scale, like understanding that I think she looked at it and thought, if I make the greatest soccer ball ever that generates energy, like what's the upper bounds of that? And it was just pretty limited. And so realizing that um, to open the market wider, she really had to either create best in class products in a slew of different areas, or she was going to have to become an OEM player. Yeah, and that's um, so. The other part that she talks about in the episode is that she's interested in creating. She calls them domino innovations. 
So um, how can I create a solution that is going to inspire someone else to create a solution that's going to solve um, the world's biggest problems? So it, it feels like that shift was going from one specific thing to how do we, um, like you said, how do we change the infrastructure that is going to have a ripple effect on things? So wanted to get your thoughts on that and also see how that, because I, I think it very much parallels to what we're trying to do here at Impact Theory as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, every now and then you'll hit me with something and I just think, oh man, this guy, this guy, this guy. Uh, <laughs> in the episode, I said, I really hope people are listening to you, Jessica Matthews. And dude, just, I really feel like you listened. And um, to quote Peter Diamandis, you honor me with the level of research that you do coming into <laughs> these. I love it. And I really hope you guys in the community um, understand what Agent Smith brings to the table. So thank you. This, this is one of those things. Actually, I, when she said it, I didn't take a note on it when I was re-watching the episode, but I thought, oh, that's so clever. And the reason I didn't write it down is something I really wanted to talk about was because I felt like, okay, it, it, like it parallels so closely with the Tim Ferriss notion, but it's so important, this concept of lead dominoes. And what she's doing is really asking the question of, how do I make the most of my efforts? And when you look at your strategy from a, I do this one thing, and how many other things does that either facilitate or automatically knock down? And it's, you know, when people ask, like, how do I know what to spend my time on? Um, and I originally got the notion of the lead domino from Tim Ferriss, and he was talking about, okay, there's all these things that you're trying to do in your life, like to know which one to go with first, you want to find out which one has the greatest impact on all the other things. And mm -hmm. clearly she has come across that same concept with, okay, what can I create? And you know, you really, this speaks to her strategy of being an OEM supplier where it's like, okay, if I make the technology that allows anything that moves to generate and store energy, now all of a sudden that really is a lead innovation. And that's going to have this massive knock-on effect to the rest of the world. And when you really like extrapolate out to her being incredibly successful, and it looks like a world that anytime someone interacts with it, touches it, steps on it, pushes it, moves it, um, that it can generate energy, that, that is a global paradigm shift. And so really becomes clear that making that technology great, making that technology affordable is is like the lead domino of all lead dominoes. And what ends up falling, like if, and get good at this extrapolation. And this is like for all of you upstart entrepreneurs or somebody, even just if you wanna be great in your own company or in somebody else's company, like to, to understand this concept. So she's, it's, you know, very akin to the notion of getting to the physics of a problem, like finding that like most base thing. So she's looking at the problem of energy creation and storage and she's saying, that the, the fundamental architecture is broken. And the fundamental architecture looks like this. The energy is stored or is generated somewhere very far away, oftentimes um, at, at grand scale. So think of nuclear reactors, think of wind turbines. Um, you know, the, they're these things that, that require just massive physical infrastructure, which is why third world countries don't have them. Because the upfront investment that you have to make is measured in the tens of millions, hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of dollars to build this infrastructure. And then in a super inefficient way, it's created sort of at the central repository and then it's distributed across the grid. And that in and of itself creates all these points of failure. And so she's looking at this problem and saying, okay, the, the fundamental base architecture doesn't make any sense. So what's the lead domino to freeing third world countries, freeing anybody from the sort of tyranny of the infrastructure? And the answer to that question is to make it 
um, generated on-site and used on-site. So that the ultimate iteration, um, which I think is, is really, really interesting, would be something like um, a gym or something like that, right? Where it's like you step on the mats and the mats generate energy. Um, you run on the treadmill, the treadmill generates energy. You're on the elliptical, it generates energy. And all of the things that are generating energy are feeding back into a local grid there at the gym that redistributes back to the gym. So it becomes like this it's not a perpetual motion machine like I get that, but it's about as close as you're going to get that you're using the intent of using that device to exercise to generate and store the energy that you need for those devices to allow you to hit your intention, right? So it's it's just really, really brilliant and is the perfect example of the lead innovation strategy, the domino, lead domino innovation strategy she's talking about. And should everybody be looking for these lead dominoes? A hundred percent. Like no matter what you're trying to do in your life, it, because it's, it's about return on your time, return on your energy. And if you're not thinking like what's that sort of most base architectural thing that's going to have the greatest impact, you're, a lot of your energy is going to dissipate. And, and I'll, I'll just stick with the energy analogy because it's so appropriate for, you know, this particular um, person and what she's doing. But so much like one of the problems with an internal combustion engine is that you only get like 20% efficiency or something. It's just crazy. So even though it allows us to do amazing things and it's essentially given birth to modern society, the, the efficiency of the internal combustion engine is retarded. So even if like you could just get it to 99% efficiency, like that would be transformative. So, and that's what she's really looking at is how do we keep energy from dissipating out? And so in your activities, in trying to build something, create something, trying to get great at something, like getting just way more efficient is critical. And I once heard this quote, and it really impacted me as an entrepreneur, where somebody was um, trying to get Jeff Bezos' time, the, the founder of Amazon, and he said, dude, I'm trying to optimize my teeth brushing routine. Like, I don't have time for that. And I just thought, okay, about the time that like you're trying to optimize like how you brush your teeth, you're really looking for maximum result for your efforts. Um, and I thought that was super smart. And to your earlier point about what we're trying to do at Impact Theory, so Impact Theory was my um, asking and answering the question, no bullshit, what would it take to end generational poverty? Generational poverty being mindset, not it's not about money. Um, it's about people that have never encountered ideology that would free them from the limitations of their surroundings, right? So you grow up um, and... You're in an environment where you've never seen somebody go on to be successful, maybe outside of sports or media. And so it's like this really, really confining universe where you feel um, trapped by your birth. And that to me is, is just a tragedy and it's false. And it's, it's basically people handing down a mindset that's disempowering from generation to generation to generation. And so people just inherit that. And I actually felt in many ways that I inherited, not to that extreme, but I inherited a mindset like that. And, and I was taught to be a good employee, to keep my head down, do as little work as possible and avoid punishment at all costs. And that's more or less what the education system teaches you. And I think today the big beef that a lot of people have with the education system is that. Like it's teaching you to be a factory worker. And that made a lot of sense like 7,500 years ago. But it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And so getting into an era where we're going to be going way out of our way to automate as many jobs as we can, creativity, problem solving, those become the commodities that people are going to be willing to pay for. And so if you're going to invest your time and energy into something, you want to invest it into something like that. And so just breaking out of these like limiting mindsets is, is what we're trying to do because it is so foundational. It is the lead domino to mindset.
Yeah, and I, I like that you brought up the Jeff Bezos story because I feel like you can apply this to, you know, maybe you're not trying to become an entrepreneur, but you can apply it to your life as well, right? So we talk a lot about morning routines. Yeah. I know your morning routine starts, the most important thing you say is going to bed at night. And would you 100%. say that's the lead domino for setting up your morning routine? Hmm, let me not give you a knee-jerk reaction. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, there's, yeah, there's no two ways about it. There we go. All right. Um, let's talk about magic. Nice. So Let us talk about magic. Um, she, t uh, Jessica says that she's a person who believes in science and hard work and rationality, but also recognizes that there's something intangible, unquantifiable, magical. Um, wh why do you think that that's something that gives her an edge? Because she brings that up a lot in the episode. It's like this, these intangible, like a space for the intangible. Um, based on your research of her and talking to her? So the story that she tells, which I love, is about how um, her parents made no attempt to drape her in the, the, the magical stuff like Santa Claus and mm -hmm. things like that. And she said, you know, her mom would be wrapping the presents uh, the night before and just understood that all these Christmas presents are from my parents and they've really worked their asses off to give them to us. Mm -hmm. and, but they told her that the tooth fairy was real. And... She didn't find out until she was 12, which you can kind of get because it's like if your parents never invest mm -hmm. in that stuff and to pick one as random as the tooth fairy, it's like you get how she could believe in it as long as she did. And rather than be embarrassed about the fact that she believed in the tooth fairy, she realizes that it gave her a special view of the world, which is that there's room for magic and that, yes, it's hardcore logic and understanding science and how by understanding how something really works that you can go build something. And that in and of itself is this it's it's an amazing engine to move things forward but at the same time it's the the problem of becoming an expert and the way that people really do calcify into dogma and um in my i think it's the facebook post that um that we put together for jessica matthews i wrote this thing about um how genius is a young man's game right and it's a super famous quote i didn't think of it but um when i read it in a book like that really hit me and i thought whoa 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 like i'm not like and I read it when I was quite young, but I'm not prepared to accept that. Like, I'm not prepared to accept that my best work is going to be the work that I did when I was young. So I really wanted to understand, like, why do people get trapped in that? And I think she's onto something by saying, like, I try never to become, like, too much of an expert in any one field. Like, I need enough information to be able to advise people to know if we're moving in the right direction. But I want to leave room for magic. I want to leave room for absurdity. I can't remember the exact word she used, but it was basically, I think she said nonsense. Like, mm -hmm. I want to leave room for nonsense. Because in doing that, like by challenging those assumptions and by thinking beyond the traditional box that people allow themselves to get into, and you get into it because it works. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that's the danger. Like becoming an expert is intoxicating because you, you can predict more behavior. You're able to be more effective. And then understanding how like there's this arc of diminishing returns, right? At first, becoming an expert is so powerful and you're getting better and better and better and you're able to do things in the world that you weren't able to do before and then all of a sudden it starts working against you but you don't see it happen and I think people on the outside maybe see it happening but but you yourself don't and the reason that as a species we keep moving forward is because the young are too stupid to know any better and so they come and they totally disrupt things and because as an expert you're like getting more and more bitter as you get old that like these young Turks are coming in and handing you your ass like instead of trying to think like a young person instead of trying to see all the ways that they're right and that they could be disrupting your own thinking and you could stay fresh and vital like most people double down and like I fucking know and these young kids are a problem and it's like 
it's a death sentence. Did you know that Spotify has figured out the exact age at which people stop looking for new music? Do you know what what age do you think it is? I'm going to say 26. Good guess, but no, Cindy, you got a guess? Oh, you're so close. It's 33. 33. At 33, people stop. They they like, they don't look for new music anymore. That is so scary to me. And what I find interesting is that it can be like pinpointed with that kind of precision that you just watch across the however many millions of accounts that they have on Spotify. And at 33, that's when people, like right now, I'm telling, I, One Direction, like whoever is new and hot, I'm about it. And I literally do that on purpose because I want to stay in sync like with what's going on in sync yeah huh? right. come on yeah. but that's that was fucking yeah. dead as disco at this point but um <laughs> it's like but to me like doing that is super important like you have to you have to find ways to stay fresh you have to find ways to stay tapped into that like being open mentality and I think that her thing about accepting that the world has a bit of magic in it even if that came from the tooth fairy uh is so smart all right, so how do you square that with something that you've talked a lot about on this show and other shows of in order to be, um, you have to become the, the best in your field. You have to become better than anyone else. That means you yeah. have. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you do those two things at the same time? <laughs> the ability to hold two competing ideas in your head is the juice. Like that's the master class. Like everything in your life is building towards that moment when you can warm yourself on the friction between two competing ideas. And people that can do it go on to be successful and people that can't fail. Like, that's just true. And once you're able to, to do that, like, for instance, um, human potential is limitless. I know that's not true. And it's, it is literally the friction between understanding how powerful it is to force myself to believe that anything is possible and yet all the while not do stupid shit that's going to get me killed. Um, that, that is the ability to do that. And I, I read somewhere that like, that's one of the like tenets of the most successful people in the world is like, if you boiled it down, like that would be one of the top three things that they all have in common. There's just something about that, man. Like, and, and the nuance of knowing when to like push on one belief or the other. Um, and, and I don't know how to teach it. Um, it was something that I figured out on my own and it was just, I found myself literally like you just did now calling, calling myself out on like, wait a second, like, Yesterday you were believing this and today you see the truth of this, but like how, you know, how do you balance that? And, and it really comes down to you have to learn through trial and error, at least for me, to know when to step on one and when to step on the other, but that you have to like when you're on one, you've got to really believe it and commit to it. Awesome. All right. I want to kick it over to our Facebook live audience and say hello. Remind <laughs> them. Cindy's <laughs> so like shaking her head. No, there's no questions. Like. You're going to have to come up with your own. There's no questions, but that's okay. We're Thank you, production quality A1. Nice, okay. nice. And we have to give mad love to Mrs. Bilyeu on this one. Yeah. Elizabeth Diana Bilyeu has killed the game. You cannot imagine, like for all of you watching on the podcast right now wondering what the hell we're talking about, we've switched our Facebook Lives now to a three-camera setup. In fact, I'll acknowledge all three. I don't know if I'll show up on Jared's so a wave like that. You should check it out. Um, it's really good. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And this was all Lisa. My wife is so not tech-savvy by nature, absolutely hates that stuff, but do and believe that which moves you forward. And she knew that like somebody had to figure this out and it was going to have to be her. And so she figured it out. Like, I am so impressed. 
It's just not my wife. I know her well enough to know she hated every second of it. Um, but the banality of being a, an entrepreneur, and she did it, and it's amazing. And it's so cool that people are responding and loving it. So uh, I know that she's listening right now. So, baby, well done. I'm very impressed. Thank you, Lisa. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, all right. Well, Facebook Live, we're here. She just yelled something. I have no idea what, because we can't hear. We have got to get that woman a microphone. Um, just as a reminder, if you share this live feed, we will enter you to win um, a 10-minute chat with Tom. So nice. go ahead and share it. We will collect those shares at the end of the day and choose someone. Boom. All right. Let's talk about... Um, Jessica says that you know she's she has this belief that you have to win most hours of the day and then win most hours of the, or days of the week and weeks of the month. And that kind of snowballs into something great over the long term, um, which I think is, is definitely something we've talked about, right? Having long-term vision mm. and not being patient, like going hard, yeah. but still keeping the long-term perspective that you're building something over time. But how, so taking her approach, I wonder how do you keep that, um, still keep the perspective? So if you're focused on, all right, I just gotta, I gotta do these things today, I gotta get these things done, and you're doing that every day, sort of at a micro level, how do you also keep the perspective in mind? Yeah, so um, I, I think she and I use very um, similar strategies, which are lists 
And, you know, she said once she understands what she needs to do, it's not stressful anymore. And I totally get that. And so you map out, you say like, this is what I want to do. This is my um, end goal. This is my strategy on how to get to it. And then these are my tactics. And, you know, at the end of the day, the vast majority of your time has to be spent in the tactics. It just has to. And you've got to be. And in fact, I just wrote, uh, Cindy, this was um, a caption for one of the things you put together um, where it's like, go do something today. Like before you go into work, make sure every day you do some, even if it's small, like do something that moves you forward. And people so underestimate because they think, well, whatever small thing I'm going to do today is not really going to have a big impact, but do they add up, man? And if you just do something small every day before you go into work, that's part of your master plan, you will be shocked that it adds up. And so you, to me, you have to work backwards. So you start with a big ass goal, then you put together your strategy and then you execute against your strategy by putting in specific tactics. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing a tactic, you have to remember what it's meant to serve. But you know, it's, at some point it is like weeding your garden comes down to getting your hands dirty. It's just, that's the, the nature of the beast. Yeah. And, uh, so talking about building lists, it was interesting. She said that she likes to put more things on her list for the day than she thinks she can actually do mm. to push herself to go above and beyond and get those things done. So I think is a definitely interesting strategy. I've also heard of strategies for list building because I'm big into lists. That is um, try not to fill up your list with a bunch of different things, but just focus on what are the three big things that I need to get done that are actually going to move the needle today mm. and not get caught up in because often when you're getting into the tactics, you can get caught up in the tactical too much and not focus on what are those major pieces and kind of get lost in that. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, um, so I use a slightly different strategy than she does. And maybe it's a little closer to what you were just talking about, which is I'm looking at what are the most important things that I could, that I should be doing. And I, I try to start my day off with that and I wouldn't, it's not an overwhelming list. I mean, I know that none of the things are, are going to get completed that day, Mm -hmm. um, because they're all sort of like, I'll have a a big headline, right? Some grand thing that we're trying to do. And then I'll break it down maybe into five or six steps. And usually it's just about pushing that ball forward versus actually getting some sort of completion done. Um, but I leave, well north of 60% of my day open to just like what's going to happen. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but that's why I always try to do the most important stuff first so that I get it actually moving. Um, I would never want to like have my day scheduled where it's like, it's already a hundred percent maxed. Um, because then you're just not able to take advantage of the opportunities that are presenting themselves or help somebody. And I think you can get into overwhelm pretty fast if you like have this big thing that you're trying to get done for the day. But I love her notion of, having more things to get done than you know you're going to be able to do in the day. Um, I just, I worry a little bit about being overly structured and that may just be a personality thing that I would push back against that and not feeling like there's any creativity or sort of art form to it. Um, And so I'm always looking. And honestly, the one thing that like, I don't get enough time to do. And, and I, this is, if you want to know what I think about in the shower, which I'm sure you were just lamenting, not knowing what I think about in the shower. <laughs> uh, I'm always like, how do I free up more time to think and to just really like 
what in my schedule is taking time away from that? Because I, I think that that's where the real magic happens is where you're able to let your mind wander. Um, and I wrote a post about this at some point about daydreaming and the power of daydreaming. And I think that that's something that's hyper, hyper underutilized and just letting your mind wander and really carving out space for that and knowing that that's not bunking off or, you know, as, as they say in the UK, it's not... Um, it's not wasted time. It may be some of the most important time. And that's why I'm so protective of meditation and thinkitating is I need that time to let my mind drift, to make unique connections, to open, you know, um, idea windows where before I just saw a wall. Yeah, I think that's really amazing and something that I also worry about myself um, because you can get so caught up in the day to day and we have distractions every eight minutes, I think it is. Yeah, every eight minutes or mm -hmm. 11 minutes, uh, according to a new study that I don't know the name of. I'll have to look uh -huh. up. Um, we have distractions all the time. So how do you find that time to drift and wander? And one place that I find it, it's really weird, is sometimes when I go to conferences, I get it. Interesting. And Why the conference? Because it's, um, it's just enough new information that is coming in, but also time for me to step away from the day-to-day -day of my job. Fair. Um, and I find that sometimes it's not even the ideas that are being transmitted to me by the speaker. It's like something that they say sparks something in my head that leads three steps down to an idea that I have mm. for, you know, the company or, or for our marketing program. So I don't know why that is, but I always come away from conferences, even if it's not a very good conference, which I've been to some conferences that are not great, yeah. um, but with tons of ideas. That's so. super interesting. It was reading gives me that same thing. And it was yeah. really that notion uh, that created the that math equation that I used to have hanging behind my desk ideas in equal ideas out. Because I was just like, the, the more I'm reading, the more ideas I'm encountering, the more it's triggering in my own mind, other ideas and associations. And, and then I found that that sort of level of ideation in my mind began to drop if the um, novel sort of intellectual stimulus I was bringing into my world decreased and there was like a, an immediate correlation. So I totally get that. Yeah. All right. Check in with our Facebook live audience. Do we have any questions about the episode? You know, so actually Wait, we should repeat that. So people want to know on Facebook Live when Tom is writing his book. Yeah, we all want to know. Yeah. Um, so I need to uh, I need to figure out if this is just laziness or if I'm conflicted about its usefulness. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I, I literally it's the one thing in my life I feel like I keep saying I'm going to do and then I put absolutely no energy into it. Um, it is in a position of total demotion on my most important things to work on list. Um, so literally from a structural standpoint of how I'm organizing my day, I keep saying it isn't that important. And, but then when I really step back and think about its efficacy in getting me out there and giving people something tangible to hold on to and to, um, share my ideology, uh, I know how useful it would be. And so, uh, man, I, I don't have a great answer. You're watching me in real time struggle with a problem. It's like, clearly it would be effective. And so here's, and in fact, I'd love to hear what people think. My strategy right now is um, because I have put so much content out into the world that I believe I could use a ghostwriter to just assimilate those thoughts and they would just be quoting me verbatim. So it's not like it would be somebody else writing my content. And that would help me tremendously. And so I've sort of moved that ball forward a little bit. Um, and I don't know if I have like enough 
ego where it's like, I want to be the one typing them, but I know that that's not the most efficient use of my time. I don't know. I've got some conflict that I haven't worked through on that yet. Well, so. well let's ask the audience right now. So first off, who would like to see a book from Tom? So put it in the comments. And then also, what are the most important ideas that you've learned from Tom that, that would go in the book? Wow. Nice. We'll start writing. Like we'll start that. outlining yeah. it right now. There we go. In real time. <laughs> I like this. Cool. Okay. So, um, Staying unsatisfied. Something yeah, you guys talked God, about and connected on. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about on After Impact the idea of um, self-love and self-hate, which is a yeah. graduate level yeah. uh, personal development. That is. Um, I want to, so let's touch on that, but I really want to talk about how do you know that you should be unsatisfied? So like, how do you become, how do you identify the things that you're not good enough at yet? So you may be getting really good at things, yeah. but then how do you keep that sort of in mind that you need to keep building? What do you look at? What are the, you know? Wow. All right. This is, <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's hit it. Uh, it's a huge question. It yep. is so important. And this is one of those like holding two conflicting ideas in your head that people really, really have to get good at. And um, I thank you for not shying away. The internal words that I use are, are love and hate. Um, I don't need people to, to buy into that. And I don't, uh, what being unsatisfied is maybe a little more palatable for other people. And so that's maybe we'll um, co-opt Jessica Matthew, O. Matthews uh, words on that. And the, I'll start with the reason and then I'll go with the how. The reason that you need to do that is, um, is a total um, construct. I have made it up that you need to do that. Jessica Matthews has made it up that you need to do that. You don't actually need to do that, okay? I am not the right, in fact, I, I just, um, God, where, uh, somebody sent something and, and um, there was in something that I did before, I cannot remember when, I said that, like, I'm not the guy to follow if you want like a comfortable life, I'm not the guy to follow. Like if you um, are, you want a stress-free life and you want to Zen out and meditate and you want to be a good family man, like I'm not your guy. Okay. I'm your guy when you want your actions to echo through history. Okay. That's what I've built my life around. And somebody once told me like, be really careful who you pick as your role models because they're going to determine how you judge yourself. And, so for instance, like he said, a lot of people would come and say, oh man, Jordan is like my role model. And you know, I just really want to be a good dad. And he was like, stop. Michael Jordan is an amazing basketball player. We have no idea what he's like as a father. So he has quintupled down on becoming the greatest basketball player of all time. And the amount of time and energy he must dedicate to that is like inhuman. So if you want to be a great basketball player, if you want to be the best that's ever lived at whatever you're doing, awesome. He's the guy to look to. But if you want to be a great parent, model yourself after a great parent, like find somebody who has like committed themselves to that and, and use metrics that make sense in that arena. Mm -hmm. So let's be very clear that if you're going to ignore this advice about using the two, like being unsatisfied with yourself, like I get it totally. But if you want to achieve at the highest level, like 
you're going to have to do it. So that's the why. Now, how do you actually execute against that? For me, it comes down to you need to set a very big goal. And so real fast, let's talk about the difference between linear and exponential. Most people think local and linear. This is like straight out of Peter Diamandis' book here. So most people think local and linear, and they don't think exponential. Technology grows on an exponential curve, just to give you an idea. So if you take 30 linear steps, you'd be about 30 meters away. If you take 30 exponential steps, an exponential... Any exponential step is a simple doubling. So one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 16, so on and so forth, okay? It doesn't seem like much, but if 30 linear steps is 30 meters, 30 exponential steps is a billion meters. That's far. Okay, that's far. Yep. It, it is exponential growth is crazy. It's one of those, it is so hard for a mind that grew up on the savannas of Africa to actually understand exponential growth. Like people just can't really fathom it. So that's where you have to go. It, and to, if you're thinking exponential growth, right? So I don't want to, so when we started our ecosystem for uh, the Tom Bilyeu brand, for the Impact Theory brand was very small. And we set what at the time felt like an audacious goal, which was 100,000 people by the end of the year. Now, I knew that was local and linear. 100,000 so target, 150 stretch. Yes. Yep. In my head, the thing I didn't tell anybody, we've since already talked about this, uh, it was always 500,000, right? So because that to me was like, I have to rethink everything. It's not about getting better at what we're doing if we're going to hit 500,000. It is about reinventing what we're doing to totally break out of the box. And Peter Thiel, who wrote Zero to One, he's a part of the PayPal mafia, just an amazing, amazing, amazing guy. Like the way he thinks is incredible. And he said, take your 10-year plan, the thing that you think is going to take you 10 years to do, and ask yourself, what would I have to do to do it in six months? That's so awesome. It just makes you rethink your whole approach because you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to eke out efficiency to do that. Right. You have to reconceive of it. And so that's what I'm always trying to do. I'm trying to have an exponential goal, something that's going to require a total revamp of the way that I'm thinking about the problem, approaching the problem because you know that all those incremental things like you will be unsatisfied with those by nature because you know that they're not going to deliver the result. So it's having that goal. That goal to me is the how. It's like understanding, okay, I've got this big fucking thing and everyone's afraid to say, I'm going to do this big thing because A, they're scared. It's like, how am I going to execute against that? And then B, it's like, what if I fail? What if I fail? And I think people are so like emotionally hurt by that. They so, the look people give when you fail, it really sucks. And it, it, there, it does like in your gut somewhere, like when somebody looks at you with pity I'd almost rather they look at me with contempt. In fact, is that true? Yes. I would rather someone looked at me, look at me with contempt than mm -hmm. pity. And that, that's just like my thing. But, oh, man. And so that's why people really struggle with that. They really struggle to say something big out loud. And it's like, I, at this point, I've said so many ridiculous things out loud because that's the standard that I hold myself to. And I force myself to get over that shit. So I, I can pretty much guarantee some percentage, maybe an astronomically large percentage of the huge goals that I've set for myself and said publicly, repeatedly, I will fail at. And I will get that look of pity. And I'll be okay with that as much as it sucks because I know how powerful it is to be willing to say to myself and to others, this gigantic goal, I'm going to hit that. And that forces me to just really, really think in totally new ways because I am I am so dissatisfied with where I am 
on my trajectory to get that goal with the strategies that I'm using, unless they're crushing, right? And every now and then you hit on one that's really crushing. And so then, hey, right there, I'm not dissatisfied. Or quite frankly, what I do is move the goalpost just to stay a little yeah. bit hungry, a little bit dissatisfied to keep myself pushing. But the key, and this is the key, boys and girls, you have to love yourself beyond all reason and measure for being willing to do that regardless of outcome. And I think that's where people get tripped up. Mm. I'm so impressed with myself for being willing to do that. Not that I succeed or fail, right? Just that I'm willing to do it. Like that is the thing that I allow myself to feel good about. And people need to feel good about themselves. You need to. Like there's just no, it doesn't make sense to not feel good about something. So it's not like all I do is beat myself up. But I reward myself for being willing to face failure, for being willing to face that look of pity, for being willing to embarrass myself, for being willing to dream big. Like those are the things that I pride myself on. That's great. That was a great answer. Thank you. Um, here's a quote I'd like to read from the episode. Uh, Jessica says, I will never blame someone for my decisions. It's my life. I know that's a quote that hit you hard. Yeah. Why? And that's like one, you just want to give it a moment of silence to really let that sink in. I'll never blame anyone for my decisions. This is my life. And some of the greatest people that I've ever met have that mantra. In fact, my father-in-law was one of the first people to, to say that to me. And I saw him, he was struggling with a decision that he had made that had obviously cost him just an unreasonable amount of money. And it was like mid-sentence, he went to blame someone else and then he stopped himself. And it was so powerful to see, like he had the impulse to blame somebody else and then was like his belief system wouldn't let him do that. And so he retracted and he said, no, it was my fault. I made the decision. And I thought, whoa, like it was so powerful to see him do that. And so I thought that's, that's how it's done. Like he gets to own his successes because he's willing to own his failures. And if you're not willing to own your failures, you don't get to own your successes. And it just keeps you razor sharp. Like it keeps you in the driver's seat. And that's what I want people to understand. Like the, the whole reason to own your failures is to be in the driver's seat. Right. There's no other reason, right? It's not about like, I want to punish myself. It's about I want to be in control. And yes, it kind of sucks that I have to like always be like, nope, that was my fault too. That was my fault. That was my fault. But in that moment, you're empowered. And I think that's why the people that do it, like they're, they're so willing to own that because they know the trade-off is worth it. They know how powerful it is to say, that's my fault. I did that. And I can change it. Like that's the, that's the phrase hiding in, in it's my fault. I can change it. I can do something different. I can make a different choice and get a different outcome. And because I know that, because I believe that, my life will be fundamentally different than people that don't. For people that aren't willing to own that mistake, they never get the opportunity to try again in a new way because they invest their energy and their focus on being a victim. And I cannot wait to get... Um, the book review out. Oh, dear God, I'm blanking on the name. I'm going to, I'll punch myself in the mouth for this later. Uh, but in the book, it talks about how that when you're putting attention on something, it, it becomes in your mind causal. Like it, it becomes more important and more effective and more powerful simply because you focus on, it. I think I talked about this before. And so that to me is, is 
so important in somebody who's willing to say that's my fault. What you're focusing on is the element of control. Somebody who's saying that I'm a victim of this, you're focusing on your lack of control. And it mm. becomes it becomes the causal driver in your life because you put attention on it. Yeah, that just reminded me of an upcoming episode we have with uh, Wes Chapman. Yeah. That's yeah, next yeah. week, I think. Yeah. Nice. You guys talk about that a lot. It's going to be a good one. Nice. Um, check in with our Facebook Live audience. Do we have any questions about the episode? Um, Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate the vote of confidence. And um, I has anybody dropped in feedback? If they already have, then great. But I'd love to know. Like, I, I think I have some. Um, even though it's becoming more and more accepted, I have some slight amount of guilt, if I'm honest, about somebody else compiling my thoughts versus me doing it myself. I'm looking for abs absolution. Absolution. I think it's okay because at the end of the day, you'll be reviewing everything and you know yeah and there's and in no uncertain terms it i want them to go into i have put out have we done hundreds of hours of content we have yeah hundreds yeah. of hours of content at this point like the book is already there i just need somebody to it needs to be it. assembled yeah yeah it's interesting that i i do have some weird guilt over that i want to read a comment from youtube from rachel garwood she says thank you jessica matthews jessica o matthews for giving such an empowering and inspiring interview you're an awesome role model um, Jessica, by being who you are and creating uncharted play, your limitless, impactful waves positively affect humanity and will reverberate forever. For as we know, energy wow. can neither be created nor destroyed. Rather, it transforms from, from one form to another. Wow. That is an awesome quote, man. That is well-deserved. Let's start with that. But that's just amazing. So thank yeah. you for writing that in. And Valerie Ellis says, Tom, uh, you must have absolutely loved listening to Jessica. She is the absolute embodiment of your ideals, growth mindset, identity, mythology, skills, acquisition, mindset, why habit forming products, big visioning, etc. What a joy. Yeah, uh, man, I couldn't agree with that one more. She she is incredible and really does. I mean, she just embodies all of that. And and I think it's such a powerful. In fact, I, oh, what am I reading now uh, about this very issue? It must be in Hitmakers, um, which is what I'm reading now, where he talks about um, how the reason that Hollywood and authors keep perpetuating this myth of the disempowered woman, the damsel in distress, is because when you test a movie to test audiences, if you write the woman too strong, they bitch. So it's like, what do you do? Well, if people aren't mm. going to go see my movie, I need to, like, we're spending $100 million or whatever more. It's like, I need to know that people are going to resonate. And the author of the book was like, you can't do that. Like, you just have to write fucking badass characters. And over time, and it won't even necessarily be a lot of time, over a relatively short period of time, people will get over it. They will get over it. And can I, can I be really... Um, this might be a little douchey, and if it is, I apologize. But I, I actually won um, one of the, when I was a screenwriter, one of the awards I wrote was for writing a female character that wasn't, what did they say? She's not just arm candy. Pretty proud of that. Nice. Yeah. She was That's badass. Nice. I liked her. She was a cool character. Um, oh, and can we, this is such a derail, but I sent around to the team, the, any, any Redditors out there? So there was this thing on Reddit made the front page yesterday where it was one of those, what could go wrong? And I don't know where this was happening, but it was in a dance club or something. And the title of the thing was, I'm just going to slap this woman for not dancing with me. What could go wrong? And this guy tries to pull this girl out onto the dance floor and, um, he, and she refuses. And then he slaps her, which is, uh, what? 
she goes ham on that guy. Like she knocks the shit out of him. It was so amazing. I was blown away. So yeah, that made me think of Jessica Matthews, who boxes, by the way. And I just thought, you just deserved just to serve like that was yeah amazing there was a whole facebook video too where it was uh, a series of yeah, like don't mess with these women yeah. and it was men doing horrible things and women just like <laughs> destroying them it was incredible i love it um speaking of jessica as a boxer i loved that when you asked her why do you box she has very clear reasons for why mm. she's doing anything, right? And she gave two very powerful um, reasons for one, the feminist, and one, the nerdy. And she wa- said she wanted to be a ninja. So I know that was something that you were excited about. Yeah, that, I mean, whenever somebody takes something that as a kid you think, oh man, this is awesome, but then sort of adulthood beats you, beats that out of you, <laughs> yeah. and but like actually does it. Uh, I always love that so much. And that's how I fe- felt meeting Farah Sahabi. It, that was a guy who, like, as a kid, wanted to be a ninja and just like actually made it real, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. So yeah, I, I love that. I love that she takes that seriously, and you know, like she said, she has a feminist answer and a nerdy answer, and uh, yeah, and they're both real. I think is what she said. I love yeah. that. Yeah, and she talked too about how it's like boxing is like being an entrepreneur, and that was a really yeah, powerful, that, no question response as well yeah you really do have to be able to take shots to the face as an entrepreneur and it's like and love it right so and my thing here and i mean you guys know this and sometimes i think it 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 bugs people but um i'm always like yeah this is awesome like whatever catastrophic thing just happened like this is awesome because you get what you focus on right so by putting your attention to how this is awesome it's like you're not going to waste time being hurt or upset about it. You're just going to find the ray of sunshine in it, even if it feels a little bit fake in the beginning, but you have to do it. Yeah, and I really like how she said you can't plant your feet because if you plant your feet, someone's going to come around you and knock you down. So true. And you got to be agile. So true. Very true. Um, any questions from Facebook Live? Nice. All right. Well, can't wait to read all those comments. Anything else we want to talk about here? I just think that it it needs to be said like this. Jessica O. Matthews is an obscenely powerful um, inspiration for anyone and especially women. And one thing that I hope everybody took away, she raised. So first of all, she's taking on the energy giants. Okay, so let's talk about Audacious for a second. Taking on the energy giants. Um, She's not an engineer by training, but she invented Um, some of the most amazing um, engineering in the energy space in a very long time. She's raised more money for her startup than any other woman of color ever in history. I mean, it's just like, and she's fun and funny and refuses to be put in a box and let other people define her and is is just exactly everything that's right about entrepreneurship in my mind and is exactly the kind of entrepreneur that I want to fuel um, and help do amazing things and you know impact theory at the end of the day, even though it's really hard to explain to people how it all comes back around to entrepreneurship from the content side. Like Those are the kinds of people that I want um, to see content that shows People, it doesn't have to be a woman, it doesn't have to be a woman of color, but just anybody. It shows what the human animal is capable of when you put your mind to something and you're willing to do the work and invest in yourself and spend the time getting better, right? And she just, I don't know, she inspired me, man. And and just spending time with her and the raw vulnerability and how she talked about, you know, I'm about to raise uh, the biggest round and I felt all this weight of being a young um uh, African-American woman and you know, trying to really do something that matters and being scared. 
and that she could talk about it like so like nonchalantly, right? Like, yeah, I was scared, like yeah. of course. And I think people need to see that. People need to drop the posturing. And it's so funny. So one of the things that I've gotten credit for as um, uh, uh, God, I don't know, as an influencer, I don't know what word to use, but as somebody who creates content, um, is that I don't try to be cool. And the funny thing is, dude, if I thought I could get away with it, I would try to be cool. <laughs> I just <laughs> never thought that I would be any good at it. I thought I would end up looking like an ass, right? So um, that that she, I think part of what makes her so amazing is that she is totally unguarded. And I had so much fun in the interview with her. I'm glad you brought that up because there was one thing that I wanted to talk about that I didn't uh, remember to ask you. But she says... Um, talk about owning who you are and kind of links that to it being a competitive advantage. Mm. So why is it a competitive advantage? Cause I know you talked about this too. Oh man, it is. And this is one of those things that like, it isn't a substitute for getting good. So let's yep. all be super clear about that. You still need to get great. You need to become capable of the extraordinary. But within that, like the thing that is going to make you memorable, the thing that's going to make you the most impactful are all the weird idiosyncrasies that you've developed over time. Like when I think about impact theory, who else could do this? Like who else? My background is film. So I really understand the art form. I understand the psychology of it. And then I spent 15 years getting good at business. So bringing the two together, seeing this moment where it personal branding is changing everything. So, you know, if you... When people look back, because over the next couple of years, you're going to see an army of people stepping out front. And the fact that I did it almost two years ago and really started to put myself out there, um, it's going to look prescient. It's going to be somebody who is saying, okay, I, I have a verbal ability. I have spent a lot of time trying to get good at being verbal so that I can persuade, so that I can build a team, so that I can get people moving in a direction so that we can accomplish something and going, okay, what is the intersection of timing? So what universe do we live in? What's actually going to work in today? So where's the intersection of timing? Uh, my verbal abilities, personal branding becoming a thing, my understanding and obsession with mythology, pop culture, and business, right? And how do you bring these all together? No one else is going to create this company. People are doing pieces of it, and I see that, and it's very exciting. But nobody's bringing it all together. And so that comes down to owning who you are, owning the things that you love, the things that you want to be good at. Um, and, and she has done that in spades. And, yeah. you know, she gave the quote in the episode that Mark Zuckerberg was never going to create the socket, which was the first invention that she did. And so the fact that she would never have created Facebook doesn't make her less than Mark Zuckerberg. They're just very, very different people. And so you do you, right? Yeah. And that's going to become your competitive advantage. Awesome. I think that with that, we'll wrap it up. Nice. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of After Impact. We went deep on Jessica O. Matthews. She is amazing. If you guys haven't seen the episode, go check it out. It's incredibly inspiring. And if you have young kids, make them watch this episode. Full disclosure, she does swear a couple times, and you know I do because that's, that's just the way it goes. Um, but I still think it's amazing, amazing, amazing. And if you have a daughter, I think that it should be um, there should be a legal precedent for that because you, you got to got a man it's so uplifting and so empowering all right this is a weekly show if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends be legendary take care peace out
everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.